And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and I'm here as always with the esteemed and uh, <laughs> absolutely um, magnificent Dr. Bear Paul Lando, looking lovely today. Just got out of makeup, I see, and uh, looking fresh as always. Man, you don't look a day over 45, I got to say. So I don't know, you're doing something right over there, sir. But so proud to be on the stream with you. And, uh, and it's uh, wonderful to be with the golden voice of podcasting. So uh, always a joy. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, sir. Yes, just got back from uh, SoCal and literally hugged. I hugged a tree as soon as I hit uh, the 101 into the Redwoods. I got out of my car. I actually had a piss. But I, and I hugged a redwood and kissed it and was so happy to be back. But I did have a wonderful time down south. It was amazing to see you all. Thanks for everybody who came out to the Health, Freedom for Humanity event at Soa Heart Farm in Fillmore, California. It was so great to see all your beautiful faces and hug and, and really be in each other's presence physically. It was uh, a great event. Thanks to Molly. Thanks to Health, Freedom for Humanity and everybody that did attend. That was fantastic. And oh, we look forward to doing a lot more of those kind of events up here at the farm and with partners like Health, Freedom, for Humanity uh, and other friends that are out there doing things. I just got invited to go speak at a Humboldt Freedom event next month. I'm figuring out and just so much going on now. It's great, uh, Bear. So uh, maybe you could even come down, Bear, for that Humboldt event because that's not too far for you. So, um, yeah, guys, it's great. This has been an amazing gift the last two years is just the fact that we now uh, have uh, all discovered each other, that we're all not the weirdos in our town talking about truth. <laughs> There's, we're not the only ones, I mean. Uh, there's a lot of us, a lot of us out there, and we're finding each other. So we appreciate you and everybody that came out to the event, people that drove from pretty far away. Uh, thanks again. That was that was truly awesome. And wow, Bear, going to the concrete jungles of Los Angeles really reminded me just how special this place is up here uh, in the great state of Jefferson on the Smith River. We are so blessed to be surrounded by millions of acres of forest and wildlife. And just, um, yeah, man, I couldn't be happier to be here. So thanks again for showing me this beautiful place. And um, being uh, the light uh, in my life for all these years, because I used to be that kid down there hustling in LA, trying to make, trying to make it in Hollyweird. And now I'm up here DJing ecstatic dance parties in the woods and um, working on my food forest when I'm not doing podcasts and stuff. So thank you for that. Yeah, and I, uh, I think you would have found a spirit would have moved you north or somewhere else uh, sooner or later with or without me. But uh, I was uh, more than glad to facilitate that uh, weekend before last. As you know, I went and uh, met with my legal lawful peeps. You know, we're creating something special. And um, I had the same experience because I had to pass over the five. We mentioned it last week and just 5G and chemtrails and and. You know, things get drier and drier the fur further east you get. Even the Delta area looks uh, bone dry for this time of year. So when I got back home, yeah, I felt like kissing the ground. I used to feel the same way uh, way back in the day, you know, when we lived in Hawaii for all those years because it was um, 
you know, the same kind of pristine environment where we lived in the islands. And I'd have to do periodic trips to the mainland, uh, you know, for uh, research and, and things. And, and just always, always glad to get back to where nature is alive and well. Oh, Dane is here. Good. I thought you had that look there. And, and we'll be getting into nature today in terms of education and how important it is. And of course, everything that the mainstream education system is doing is of trying to pull, extract our children out of nature and put them into this sort of simulacrum of a technological um, infrastructure based upon computers and, and AI and, of course, the metaverse. And it's not to say there isn't um, value in that. But of course, everything needs to be based upon um, balance and um, essentially focused on the natural rhythms of life. And we can hop into that stuff as long as we understand that we have the freedom always to choose to just run around naked in the forest if we want. <laughs> and and technology, technology does not have to be beamed in from the Death Star. You know, we can have technology of a clean uh, you know, elevated way that would actually beam frequencies that are uh, conducive to normal biological systems and healthy for us. So obviously, uh, you know, that's not the case right now, purposely. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, nothing wrong with technology. And as long as we understand too, the technology is only an extension of what already exists in ourselves. So don't uh, start relying on it too much. It's only there to illustrate what we're capable of and that much more without it. Yeah. And as I've, we said here since day one on this show, technology one, nothing to be afraid of. Of course, it's uh, uh, the, the name, the word actually comes from the Greek technologica. I always say it wrong, but basically the um, it's the, the the ability to use art to use our art to extract our art into the world i believe if i'm rough definition of it and so it's really related to us and our ability to bring our creative energies into the world and it doesn't have to mean uh digital doesn't have to mean computer it could mean literally um our own um mental faculty as a technology right bear our own ability to um paint on a uh, paint on a canvas is a technological representation of our creative spirit so um you know i like to believe that the metaverse and all these things as long as they're decentralized and they're built within the right infrastructure of freedom and and the the human and and, and built into humanity in a way that's based on natural design and natural law that is just a precursor to us becoming psychic again um using analog technologies to teleport to do things they were probably doing in Lemuria or in Atlantis times. Uh, this is just a precursor to that as we st we're starting to regain our consciousness and figure out who we are again, because we've obviously lost since the fall or the deluge or whatever. So um, technology is nothing to fear as long as we have an understanding of natural law and who we are. So that's my little well, with the advent that. of radio waves. Um, you know, we showed that there is no such thing as um, distance and that we can communicate instantly through the ethers by projecting uh, these waveforms that we do with our mind all the time. Right now, we're looking at pictures of each other in real time in different locations around the planet. 
Hopefully Dana will be able to pop in here. I see her name on the screen. She's on the East Coast. Uh, you're just over a, a mountain range from me. So uh, yeah, we're doing what the, um, the alchemist and the sages of old always told us, which is there's no such thing as time and space. Technology is supposed to illustrate that to us so that we can thus get to throwing away these plastic boxes and do it directly. So um, how are we doing there? Is she? Uh, hey, Dana, um, uh, mic check one, two. Um, are you able to hear us? And um, can you pop in? And uh, I don't see video. I don't. There we are. Hi. Uh, hey. hey, Dana. How are you? How's it? <laughs> good. 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 Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a little uh, no worries. late. Yeah, so hey, nice to be here. here. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Great to have you here, Dana. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a little intro. Uh, and let our audience know a little bit about you, and then I'll throw it over to Bear. He usually kind of fires up the um, first question. And yeah, we'll just have a wonderful conversation. Really want to hear from you today because you have a great message, not only about uh, educating our children, but peaceful parenting and really what uh, our relationship to our children really can be and should be from your perspective. And I think it's an empowering message because man has um, a modern um, civilization straight far from this relationship in a way, <laughs> in terms of what parenting, the parenting uh, relationship is to our children. And you have an amazing message and you've also shown it in your life with the way you've raised your children. So it's an empowering message and let's, let's get right into it. So uh, yes, today, Teacher, leave them kids alone. Uh, Best-selling author, international voice for peaceful parenting and unschooling advocate, Dana Martin shares her passion for taking our children back. And boy, uh, do we need that more than ever. Uh, Dana Martin is an author, public speaker, and parenting coach who has written three books about peaceful parenting and unschooling. Her latest book, Raising Rebels, Parenting Advice from the Girl Your Parents Warned You About, <laughs> was an Amazon's bestseller list. Um, quote, I've been inspiring others for almost two decades by sharing my experience through natural birth, attachment parenting, and unschooling. Dana has been featured on numerous television programs and has gained notoriety as the world's leading voice of the unschooling movement. She has been a featured speaker at parenting conferences and events worldwide, most recently in Australia, India, and China. Dana feels that children are next on the human rights agenda, and through this shift in human consciousness, we allow children to find their passions and unique gifts that will help them become who they are meant to be in life, as well as a model for more peaceful parenting paradigm to the world. We'll discuss how children learn best, the emotional importance of the philosophy behind learning the unschooling way, and why rescuing our children from the public indoctrination system could very well be the most important issue of our time. As advocates and practitioners of Dana's Methods, the AlphaCast crew uh, has a lot to add here, and I am um, been transitioning to unschooling. I am trying to get my wife on board uh, as friends with Dr. Edith Ubuntu Chan, uh, who's been up here and visited a, a few times. Um, you know, I I <clears throat> I am sharing her your talks with her, and uh, my plan by next year, Dana, is to be there. So we are currently homeschooling, and we'll talk about this a little bit. And then Bear actually homeschooled his, his children, who are now grown adults our age in their 40s, 
um, in the uh, 80s and 90s. So it'll be interesting to hear, hear his perspective on modern times. Uh, Bear, take it away. Uh, thanks, uh, Dana, for being here. And, uh, you know, you're preaching to the choir today, obviously, and our audience is very receptive to this. A lot of people are really trying to figure out how to homeschool. And we used to get that question all the time from our friends. They said, well, how do you do it? How do you make time? And, you know, we had a thriving clinic and a very busy life. And I had a severe surfing habit on top of it. And we still managed to get it all done. And, um, you know, I think people don't understand that school is not a time clock thing about hours. It's about quality and then making it fit in a unique way to every family matrix. So uh, one little comment that I wanted to make first, though, is people that are still uh, seeing their kids through the public school system, we have to uh, understand that public is a legal term. And that means that you are a citizen and a subject of the state, which begins, of course, with the birth certificate and that whole thing that a lot of our audience is aware of. So when we are enrolled in public school, it is not for education. It is to create good little subjects that will, uh, you know, fit, uh, you know, nice little job descriptions, job, you know, just over broke kind of things for the rest of their life. And um, even if you're in a private school, federal and state mandates are all about uh, standardized curriculum. So you're still in the same ballpark. Uh, last thing I'll say um, is that, you know, a long time ago through G. Edward Griffin, who wrote The Creature from Jekyll Island, I was introduced to the work of Norman Dodd, who was a congressman who head up a uh, congressional committee. And that has a, a long story behind it. But the cliff notes are that he uh, was investigated, uh, investigating his committee um, humanitarian uh, alleged foundations that were uh, now considered un-American. And what he found is that behind the Rockefellers, the Guggenheimer Foundations, that they actually uh, were funding programs to take over the educational system, uh, you know, starting with the top Ivy League all the way down to primary schools, and that they changed history, they changed mathematics, they changed science, they changed everything. Things were already compromised a bit at that point, but then they just took over. And now, of course, we see the extreme with everything from critical race theory to 27 genders and judging people by the color of the skin that they're born with. So uh, we've come a long ways of devolution from those uh, early times when the Rockefellers uh, usurped the entire educational system, which is why when I was raising my kids a long time ago, we said, no, that's that's not even possible to put our kids in one of those. And right now, my opinion is to put your child in a public school system or otherwise is actually child abuse. So uh, that's just my opinion. I don't know if you go that far, but uh, Dana, uh, we'll let you take it away. If you could tell us maybe a little bit of how you got here and uh, just the great work that you're doing out there. And uh, thanks again for being here. I know you're busy and, and we appreciate you taking time for us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be part of all of this. And yes, you're very far along where most people are in the awareness of what the intent of public school is. So I started off basically for the first time when I had a child, he's almost 23 now, but I gave birth to him in a hospital 
and I had a natural birth with a midwife, which was kind of radical at the time because everybody had obstetricians. And I had a wonderful natural experience that was life transformative for me because everybody was relying on the medical system and all the, the tools and drugs and medications they use for women. And I didn't want to go that route. And when I gave birth to him, it was so empowering that I wanted to share it with other people. I wanted women to know the transformation that you go through when you bring a baby into this world under your own power. And so I gave birth to him. I was holding him and the nurses came into the room within a few minutes of me giving birth uh, after they did their typical cleanup and they turned on the television. And I thought that was so strange. And they were talking to each other saying, something's going on, something's going on. And they turned on the TV and the Columbine shootings were happening live. It was the first time in history that I knew about any school shootings. And here I am holding my newborn with all the emotions surrounding that and watching in front of me, children jump, jumping out of windows and parents crying. And it was the first time I ever thought in the direction that I basically gave birth to when my son was born. And that was how many of those parents and children wanted to be home together that day and every day, but didn't know they had the choice. They didn't know they had the option to do so. And many of those kids didn't wanna to go to school that day because they had other interests and passions they wanted to pursue. And it was right then and there that I realized that children's rights are, have never been respected, um, especially in the mainstream parenting paradigm. And I always wanted my kids to have the choice to go to school or not. Well, four kids later, two that are adults and two that are teens, they've always chosen to be where they're respected in a partnership-based paradigm at home and never stepping into that authoritarian paradigm. My choice to unschool was also very intuitive to me. I didn't know it had a label. Everybody that I knew that was homeschooling were still in the authoritarian paradigm where the focus was on obedience training, behavior modification, and they would force basically what the schools did, but at home, the state curriculum. And that felt wrong to me, especially if my children wanted to explore something else, something they were interested in. And I realized that we're not all meant to do the same things in life. And it doesn't make any sense to have the same curriculum for everybody. And along the years and in my research, I connected with uh, John Taylor Gatto and he became my mentor. And I learned so much from John. We were really close and he encouraged me to write my first book. And yeah, everything kind of took off from there. <laughs> and it's been a journey. I never planned on advocating for this. In fact, I was so shy and insecure my whole life growing up that I thought that I hated public speaking. I, I thought that I was never capable of doing what I have, but that, what I've accomplished. But then I realized that the reason why I was labeled all of those things was because I had no interest in what I was being forced to talk about in front of a group of people who had no interest in me and who I was. And a lot of healing has taken place for me and many others on this journey. Yeah. Fantastic. And, you know, we all, I think, kind of have our story as far as why we elected to raise our kids a little differently out of the norm. Uh, you know, I did, uh, I had to do birthing internship uh, when I was at Stanford and I had to be in on so many births there. And I was appalled at uh, what I witnessed. Um, 
uh, you know, it was during football playoffs and, and all the doctors and, and myself as an intern were in this room and all the nurses are scurrying around a dozen different rooms with women trying to give birth and the doctors are completely disinterested. The playoff games are over and the doctor starts stirring around and, you know, calling the nurses in and then within uh, literally 45 minutes, every single, uh, you know, woman gave birth there either with a, you know, induced chemically or cesarean or something. And, you know, just, uh, and, and then of course, if you've ever seen a, a little boy get circumcised uh, without anesthetic, because they say, well, infants aren't capable of uh, experiencing pain. And just all that we do is so barbaric. It's beyond, beyond. So I delivered my kids at home in our bedroom and uh, so, so good for you. And I know Mike has his own story as far as why he elected to take his kids out of school. But, but please go ahead and, you know. Can, uh, can I ask Dana? Yeah, can I ask ahead. Dana one question? Dana, what was your mm -hmm. educational background? Where did you, did you come through a traditional public school education? Or I'm just curious on that. I don't know if I've ever heard that from you. Yeah, I did. And I was totally typical, went through the traditional system. Things started really getting difficult for me when I was in junior high because all of my friends from elementary school lived in a really wealthy area and they were sent to the wealthy junior high and I was sent to the lower income junior high where there was a lot of crime and it was a really difficult place to be not having any friends there. And that's when the injustice really felt strong to me. Uh, people were being bullied, um, no teachers would help. Uh, I didn't want to go to school much of the time because it was hell for me during junior high. And I can remember asking my mother, mom, can I please stay home? And she said, I'd love to, I want to be with you, but I'll get in trouble. And I, I never forgot that. I've talked to her about it since. And she actually cries remembering it saying, I wish I knew now what, you know, what, what, I, what, what I could have done by what you're doing. So yeah, it was a traditional system. I moved around a lot. Uh, my teen years and I went to college to be an early childhood educator and I learned a lot more about education there and it, it basically all brought me to this to this place yeah and uh, also I wanted to mention that after giving birth to my son Devin in the hospital I became a childbirth educator a doula and later a midwife so I uh, deliver babies at home uh, I attend births in the hospital sometimes, depending upon the, the support needed. And I've had all my other three children all at home. And my last, I had unassisted at home, which was really powerful as well. So it's been a journey for me to get more and more uh, aware of what's going on. But birth is big business. And when people realize I don't have any, they will be put through the traditional childbirth ringer and not be able to bring a baby forth under their own power, which profoundly affects the rest of their life, both mother and child. So I love that you, that you guys have done this and it's really exciting for me to, to be in your presence and hear about it. Well, you've, you've uh, lived all facets of uh, from birth all the way through uh, education. So what a wonderful background. So um, if you want to jump into just maybe helping our audience understand maybe the methodologies or if they're newbies and, and interested in, in, in uh, home, you know, homeschooling themselves, how they might go about it. And then for the folks that aren't parents, uh, maybe we can get into discussion later on as far as why it's important for them to. Yeah, definitely. So let me tell you a little bit about unschooling. 
So unschooling is a method of homeschooling, and it's one in which you use the world as your child's classroom. A lot of de-schooling has to happen to come into this space. And it begins with understanding that people that are walking this path have chosen to let go of the authoritarian paradigm altogether when it comes to parenting and have shifted to a more partnership-based one. In traditional parenting, 99% of advice and parenting books on the market and what ex experts say, the focus is on behavior modification, obedience and compliance, and meeting the parent's needs solely, pretty much for uninterrupted sleep, for, for ease, for convenience, and it never focuses on the needs under a child's behavior, or even that their needs are at the same level as the parent's behavior. So a partnership-based paradigm is really under, uh, important to understand when you're learning about this, because I've never focused on my kid's behavior. I've focused on the needs under the behavior. And when you do that, it's pretty amazing, but the behaviors that are negative just fade away <laughs> because you're caring about why they're you know, in this uh, feeling the way they do. So unschooling is focused on encouraging and supporting and facilitating learning based on what your kids are interested in at any given moment. So I'm, I don't look at myself as my child's teacher. I'm not standing in front of them, pouring knowledge into them as the all-knowing authority. I don't need to know all the answers, but I need to know how to help find and facilitate whatever they're interested in. So I bring as many resources into my kids' lives to learn and grow from based on what they're interested in. And I've done that for 23 years and it's been a beautiful experience. So parenting-wise, it's so important to understand that you know, most people that hear your homeschooling, the first thing they say is, oh my gosh, I could never do that. And they, they think it'll be really negative. And I, I believe, and what I've learned is that's pretty much based on the authoritarian paradigm, because when children are in school, the parents have to enforce a school's agenda. The school comes way before the family. Parents have to ask permission from the school to spend time with their kids, to get time off, to have them home. It's the most unfree path that somebody could take. And not only that, but you're enforcing the school's agenda, you're, you're punishing for not doing homework, you're punishing for bad grades, you're hustling kids around in such an unnatural way, waking them up, telling them to go to bed, limiting whatever they're doing. And in the controlling authoritarian paradigm, it's a really unpleasant place to be, to be controlling other human beings all day, every day. So it's first important to understand the foundation of partnership and I'm not the wall between my children and their desires in life. I help them get what they want. And our relationship is really respectful and joyful. And learning feels good when it's not forced. That being said, I, we love being together. There's no threats. There's no punishments. There's four kids. There's siblings. They bicker like anybody else. But there's not the negativity and fear and pain and dishonesty and manipulation that comes from the authoritarian paradigm. So that's how it's done in a really good way. Yeah. And uh, isn't it wonderful that you remain uh, the main peer group for your own kids so that there's not this conflict when they come home because they spend more time with other people than they do with their own parents. So you maintain that influence, not in a, not in an authoritarian way, as you're saying, but just, you know, you're actually peers and they take what you say seriously. And it creates, for our experience, it, it was much easier to maintain harmony in the household, uh, you know, rather than bringing in other people's values, especially at a younger age. 
Definitely. And when you have a good relationship with your kids and they're not afraid of you taking their freedoms away or taking their property away or using them as a slave labor or, you know, the number, the dozens of things that are done and, and promoted by authorities to parents to parent their children. So when my kids know that if they tell me something, they, they'll get an honest opinion. They trust me. And we have such a good relationship built on connection and respect that when I give them information, they believe me. They do. They're not going, why is she saying that? What's the ulterior motive? What is, you know, if I tell her the truth, I might have my iPad taken away or I might be grounded or, you know, it's such a shame to me that most parents will really truly never know what could be in their relationship with their kids because they were trained to train their children. Yeah, uh, it reminds me of uh, Stefan. Uh, well, this is such an important topic to break down. Um, this idea of the relationship between the parent and the child and this generational trauma that has been, especially in this country, and I know most Western country, probably mostly in the world now with the modern family, uh, this trauma of authoritarianism in the household, because that was generationally probably from the way our parents treated us. And it was just kind of instilled in this kind of modern aesthetic of how the parent child relationship is in terms of, you know, do what I say. Um, you know, I know, and Bear, I'd love to hear your perspective growing up in your generation, you know, of like the under the great generation, right? Uh, with in terms of how the child like father child relationship was, I know a lot of it wasn't very manly to show emotion and affection to your to your kids. And it's it's this Stefan Molyneux talked about this like trauma of uh, of spanking your kids and all this authoritarianism and how it's really a manifestation of our entire society as a commodification of human beings for this mechanistic system where we're all just commodities. And to break out of this now, uh, Dana, like you're saying, goes beyond education. It's just our literally how we relate to to ourselves as 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 infinite spirit and not a, a materialistic mechanization of a form, right? So this is revolutionary on so many aspects, and I, I it really gets deep. It's much deeper than just how we educate, which I know is massive, but it's literally how we relate to ourselves and the trauma that we've had through our parents and their parents and their parents and their parents, and then how we relate to this, these young, vibrant souls that are coming in now to help us see ourselves, actually, as Dr. Eden says, right? These amazing new souls coming in that are here to educate us on how to be loving and how to be um, essentially who, what we're meant to be. So I just wanted to put that in, Bear, but Bear, yeah, and I'd love to hear your perspective, Dana, on this because I think the peaceful parenting movement is is massive and more needed than ever to break this generational trauma that we many are facing and trying to heal from. Yeah, I mean, it is such a healing journey because everything that comes up with your children, you can't help but remember how it was handled when you were that age. And a lot of people aren't ready to face that. Some people can't face the fact that control and domination and the authoritarian paradigm is abusive. And so if you keep repeating history, you never have to face your stuff. You never have to face the issues and the problems. And I like to help parents realize that, you know, most of their parents did the best they could with what they knew. So not to necessarily get angry or point fingers, if that, unless obviously then 
horrible things happened. And sometimes that's the case, but forgiveness and understanding and you heal simultaneously when you treat somebody with respect, when you're able to say yes to things and work hard on a relationship with your kids. And when you focus on their needs as much as your own, it, it takes a lot of work. It's a very hands-on way to live, but the rewards are incredible. Um, the relationship I have with my kids is unlike any other relationship I ever saw. Um, and my friends that parent this way, it's the same situation. So yeah, my, my kids and I have been on this journey together. I've been advocating for almost two decades and I never imagined that I would educate to the audiences that I have. And I've been kind of pulled along into different you know, groups of people, uh, different communities. And it's brought me places to support people that I never thought would be open to this. So evolution of consciousness is happening really quickly especially with everything that happened in the last two years. So it's, it's a real honor to be on this journey and to connect with people that are awake and really feel in their heart that this kind of philosophy is truth. Yeah, you know, the, the main thing that drove my wife and myself with our kids is we wanted to relive our childhood through them the way we wanted to live it. And, uh, you know, which especially included school, because I, I was one of those kids, I was a little boy, and I hated school, I couldn't sit still, I was always getting in trouble. And I was just bored out of my mind. So, um, yeah, we wanted to do it differently. And, you know, that gets into maybe another aspect of homeschooling, or unschooling, forgive me, I, I have to retrain myself, uh, because there is a big, big difference. And, um, you know, we wanted to um, do things that fit in with our lifestyle, with our philosophy. And I think every family has to do the same. There's no set curriculum, at least I don't think that is going to fit with everybody. So uh, what we did every day, because we had two little boys, and um, I remembered what that was like, rather than starting to cram information into them at an early age, uh, you know, we'd go down, start every day, we'd jump in the water, you know, we lived in the islands, we'd go surfing and, you know, really blow out the tubes physically, come back, eat a nutritious breakfast, and then we get into the curriculum. And uh, the curriculum early on was more about developing their imagination rather than giving them information. And then only when that was fully developed, then we started giving them information, but giving them information in a way that built critical thought so that they could make up their own minds rather than just saying, this is the way it is. So uh, with your unschooling method, I'd love to hear just about, you know, how you coach other people to do that. Maybe how you did it with your own kids. Yeah. So I have four children. My youngest is 14. Mm -hmm. uh, his name is Orion. I have a daughter, Ivy, who's 17. I have a daughter, Tiffany, who's 20 and my son, Devin's 23. And this was a very organic experience for me, parenting them this way. And so there was never any curriculum that we followed. Um, and we utilized a lot of things that most people didn't, even that, even people that were homeschooling. I found mentors for the kids, people that were really passionate about whatever they wanted to learn about at the time. So my son, Devin, I think he was around nine and he started becoming interested in blacksmithing because he was playing a game that had blacksmithing in it. And so we bought books, we watched videos, and we contacted a local blacksmith. The man must have been in his 80s, and he was so excited. He hadn't mentored anyone in about 30 years, and he was so excited that Devin wanted to learn from him. And that relationship was beautiful and nurturing. And 
ever since that time, I've followed that and, and found mentors who are passionate about what they love to facilitate my kids' learning, uh, you know, along with everything else we we're doing. But we uh, traveling has uh, opens kids' eyes to a lot too. So anytime I'd be invited somewhere to speak, my kids were invited also. And so they've kind of grown up being known as like the poster kids for the unschooling lifestyle. So that, that was kind of unique uh, for them. And they've always been really proud of their lives. You know, people would ask me on interviews, like, do people make fun of your kids? Do they think they're weird? And I always thought those questions were so interesting because my kids never, they never did. They, they never felt that uh, hurt that they might be teased or, you know, made fun of and called weird because, you know, most of us had our self-esteem pretty squashed early on and we were taught to be people pleasers and that if other people approved of us or gave us an A or, you know, were treating us, you know, not just focus on obedience, but with kindness, that that was the goal was to make other people happy and to please others. And I know my self-esteem really was due uh, to all of that, how somebody else felt about me. So my kids have never had that conditioning. They've never had their spirits broken like most people have. And so when th they're so much more resilient than I ever was, because back then, if you know somebody called you weird, it was the worst thing to be. And you just conform and you, you find out what the styles and clothes are by looking at what everybody else is wearing. You find out what's cool and you have to do the same thing. My kids have always walked to the beat of their own drum and never thought twice about it. So even if people did think they were weird, and I'm sure maybe some did, it didn't bother them and affect them and they understood. So yeah, there's so many aspects of this life that I, I never expected when I had real little, little kids and I started advocating. I just went on faith and they've all gone in different directions with who they are. And um, my son, Devin, uh, does do workshops and advocates for this life very often. So maybe we can have him on sometime. That would be amazing. Yeah, I would love to. We have a model in our family, Weird is Wonderful. And I, yes. I always I always push that because uh, the, it's the weirdos in the world that really shape our world and are the ones out there doing um, the magic. I, I do have a question. I know this comes up a lot um, in terms of the unschooling. So is there curriculum at all? Or is the curriculum essentially, as you say, the, the school of life? Uh, Dr. Edith, uh, who I did put her link in the chat, we'll put it in the uh, show notes below, below her luminous education revolution um, uh, uh, that you were involved with, right? I believe I saw you in that and like uh, Charles Eisenstein and David Rodriguez, just amazing voices uh, of our generation right now in there. And that's a really illuminating um series of talks and workshops and et cetera for those looking to get into this. But my question is, is there no curriculum? Um, as someone who came up in a very classical education, going all boys Catholic <laughs> education um, and learning things based on like the trivium and quadrivium and things like that, I even have challenges seeing how you know, with, with the way that I was taught and educated, uh, which I, you know, was very powerful because when I did go to public university, it was a joke because I had such a classical education for the unschooling. Is there no curriculum or do you do some, you know, bring in some curriculum when it, you feel like it's needed? Um, no, we've never done any kind of curriculum at all. We live life like most people do on weekends. 
for just having fun exploring. Um, there's never been any kind of set curriculum. I find resources from, for my kids if they're interested in something. And you have to kind of be, you have to be really connected and aware if they bring something up. I'll say, oh, do you want to look that up? Or we should find out about that. And that's just part of our life is researching together when we're curious about things and sharing information. You know, discussions are the most powerful tool for learning in general, having these wonderful discussions with your children, but paying attention and sharing your feelings and sharing your own journey and, um, you know, offering different opportunities that come up. If I know that one of my kids is interested in something, I, I'll look locally and see if there's any museums or, or any activities or events happening that they might be interested in that, you know, interested in. And I'll offer many different things to choose from, but they always have the freedom to choose what they want to do and what they don't want to do with their time. Yeah, when our kids were uh, approaching more 11, 12-ish, I got a little bit more hardcore academic. And in fact, did the real, you know, advanced mathematics and things because I had that kind of background. Um, but the way we did it is I found that it, they needed a fraction of the time to do it in as compared to, uh, you know, if you did it in a traditional school setting. And uh, they knew that, um, you know, after their lesson that, you know, they're responsible for pretty much having it perfect. It wasn't like hiding, you know, in the back of the class and just sort of faking it. So we just made sure they had a good command of it. And it took uh, very little time. And they also knew when they were done, uh, it wasn't a matter of sitting there in a, you know, in a time cycle until the school bell rings. It's like the sooner you're done, then, you know, you can go out and surf or play with the other kids or whatever. And so what it, uh, what I witnessed is in our own kids, uh, it, it really taught them how to focus and get a job done rather than just be clock watchers. And then uh, what we always admonish the kids about is there's no such thing as homework. Homework basically just means you sucked at what you did before and didn't get the job done. And, uh, you know, if you go back to, you know, like, like the gospel, the Essenes, you know, they really talk about how it's important to have a balanced day every single day, you know, where you do certain things, but you never prolong any one particular thing. And, you know, just uh, develops more of a balanced, uh, you know, human being. And, uh, you know, that's what the school was about, too. It's just like one little component of a day. And then uh, the last thing I just wanted to bring up that I'd like you to comment on is uh, the most common question that we got was about socialization. And when people asked us about that being a problem with what we called homeschooling back then, we just said, well, aren't you worried about it? Because your kids are in the same room with the same teacher with the same kids all day long. Our kids are mingling with kids all over the island from all the different schools. Uh, you know, they mingle with adults uh, as well. They know how to, you know, they develop maturity levels because of that. And they're much better socialized. So I really thought it was the opposite is that socialization was a bigger problem if you have kids in school. Sorry to uh, go on so long, but anything you'd like to comment on that? Oh, I love hearing your story. So it's so funny because I remember one of the first things I heard in public school was you're not here to socialize. I heard that time and time again from any of the adults there. So it's so it's such a hypocritical dynamic. When somebody asks me what about socialization, I always ask them what they mean. Because for one, people just parrot that constantly without really thinking about it. 
And so they'll say, well, what about socialization? And every TV interview I've ever done, that's the first question. And so I'll say, well, what do you mean? And then they really have to think about it because there's different aspects of what it could mean. And more often than not, people say things to me like, well, shouldn't they get used to sitting next to bullies? Shouldn't they get used to being around people they don't want to be around? You know, th that kind of idea is just ridiculous. I I'm as, a, as an adult uh, <laughs> in this world, if I don't want to be near someone that's hurting me or abusing me or treating me disrespectfully, I can go. I have the freedom to not be near them. But what's happening is they should be saying, what about conditioning? Because kids in school are conditioned to live mundane lives in unhappy situations and circumstances, living other people's agenda. And that's exactly the intent of why public school started. Compulsory education began with that intent. So people are wondering, you know, if your kids don't get used to that, how are they going to get into a job they hate? <laughs> you know, how are they going to be a good worker bee? Um, and my kids have never had that conditioning. So it doesn't make sense for them to work somewhere or for someone if they're not happy doing it. Um, so socialization is quite a very, very common question. And much like you said, you know, age segregation is one of the most natural, unnatural dynamics ever. Can you imagine if, if I didn't do this interview with you guys because you weren't both 48 also? Oh, I'm so sorry, dude, guys. If you're, you're either of you are 48, and that's pretty much who I'm conditioned to spend time with. <laughs> uh -huh. You know, so it's it's ridiculous. And by the way, you don't look uh, a year over 30, Dana. So the, wow. uns the unschooling world, the life has worked for you. Thank you. That's so funny because now that I, my son's 23 and my daughter, uh, anytime I go out with either of them, my 20 or my 23 year old, people are always shocked about that, which is really funny. It's funny for them. Um, so thank you. It's eating, eating healthy, I think more than anything and, and being happy. You know, I, I was going to say it's the mindset of being happy and free yes. that um, really keeps us youthful and play, right? Playing like, yes not being forced to do things like you're saying, the compulsory mindset, I think that ages us, you know, Definitely. wears us down and the system's designed to do that. Totally. Yeah. And uh, what, why you bring about the food, uh, how about the school cafeteria? <laughs> that's, that's good enough reason to keep your kids out of school right there. I know it's unbelievable. Actually, when I think back to what food I was raised on and keep in mind, I, you know, I was born in the early seventies and microwaves just came out. And I can remember we used to sit in front of it just to watch food <laughs> cook. And I think I was raised on microwavable foods. <laughs> so yeah, once I started eating much healthier, healthier whole foods and um, yeah, my, my family, some of us are vegan. Some of us aren't. My kids have always had the choice to, to follow any kind of diet that's felt best to them. They've all chosen to eat really healthy. My son, Devin has a garden. He, he's, he's a prepper. He has tons of food put back. <laughs> he loves to can and to jar my daughter, Tiffany. Um, she's the one that kind of turned me on initially to veganism. And I learned more about animal agriculture. But um, three of my kids aren't anymore. They've chosen to go another path and I'm really happy to cook for them whatever they want. So there's no agenda, even that I'm involved in with my own beliefs that will ever come before my children's needs and who they are. So other vegans are so blown away that I'll cook meat for my kids or buy them milk or get them dairy. But I trust their journey. I trust their research and I know they're doing what they feel is best for themselves. So um, that's just a little side thing I wanted to share. 
Yeah. And I think more important than what you eat is what you're teaching them as how to respect the free will of others. And yes. if they are given that respect, which is their divine birthright to make their own choices, then, um, you know, they're more apt to, uh, you know, extend that right to other people. So what's going to create a better world of people that are trying to control each other? I think we see a little bit of that right now and, and uh, the results of it. Um, so, yeah, it's, we get bogged down in, um, in all these other things that are really inconsequential compared to just uh, developing people that are truly tolerant, not in a woke sense, but a true sense. Exactly. We're, I like to say that I'm raising free thinking entrepreneurs, not worker bees. And my kids have always pursued what they love and have been able to make money from different things that they love. It's taking, taken a lot of letting go for me to be able to realize that my preconceived ideas or conditioning that I had growing up always can, can always needs work. And my kids help me see these kind of things just by being fully themselves. Um, my son was four years old, my oldest, and he, he was watching somebody build a fire and he said, mom, I want to, I want to build a fire. And my mother and you know other people were like, you can't let a four-year-old build a fire. You have to tell him that he can't touch the matches. And I said, well, I don't know that that's true. If I'm with him, if I'm present with him, I'm really comfortable with it. I could show him how to do it safely. So, so we would go down in our cellar and we had a big old wood furnace. The house was built in like 1926 and this huge wood furnace heated the whole house. And we'd go down for hours at a time with him lighting matches and lighting paper on fire inside of the wood furnace with me sitting there. Sometimes I'd have a book um, and, and he loved doing that. Well, me saying yes to that and being willing to be present with him while he explored that has led to so many incredible things in his life. And he was a professional fire twirler for a while. I found a mentor uh, for him in Australia when I went to speak there once. He became a blacksmith. I turned a, an old garage that we had into a forge. I helped facilitate that. There's so many ways in which me saying yes and realizing that most people say no to children about things and they put rules in place as a replacement for being present. So the blanket ideas that you have to say no about certain things are for parents that are, that are focused on convenience and they don't wanna take the time to sit downstairs for an hour and a half a day while their kids explore something. So me being able to say yes and making sure he's safe, he never snuck matches, he never snuck a lighter. He would sit upstairs with me while I made dinner and, and light candles and play with the wax. You know, one simple yes and willingness to be with your kids to explore something that you might be a little nervous about changes the whole trajectory of their life. And when I look back on Devin's life and all the things he's done connected to fire over his uh, whole childhood and teen years, I'm so grateful that I didn't let people that were afraid that he'd get hurt, like my mother or, or other well-intentioned people. I'm glad I wasn't convinced to forbid these things. Because if I had, he would, he, you know, negative things can happen. When you say no and kids have an internal drive to explore something, they do things behind your back. They sneak, you know, and it's really, really dangerous when you're in the authoritarian paradigm because no one trusts each other. But the innate drive to learn and grow on his part needed to be facilitated and supported with me by his side safely for him to explore it. So I thought I'd give that example to you mm. um, of what I mean mm. by a hands-on philosophy. 
And now we're witnessing an entire country of people that were brought up in controlled situations in the name of safety. Uh, and they're making very poor decisions on what they think is going to keep them safe, uh, even to the point where it's going to kill them. So, um, yeah, not a good idea. We, we did the same thing. You know, our kids at the same age were climbing trees and jumping off waterfalls and, and, uh, you know, just being little boys and, um, yeah, that's the healthiest thing in the world. Mike, go ahead. I was just gonna say what we're talking about here is the quality and the depth of life of why we're here and what does it really mean to be intelligent and what really does it mean to be educated? Right. Uh, because the system as yeah, now it's like, be safe, um, be safe and get through it and survive and then get a job. Uh, I can't tell you as someone who's been an entrepreneur for going on 20 years, how difficult it's been now to find somebody who also wants to come in and take a risk and be a partner in something. Everybody wants to have, especially, you know, in the millennial generation wants to have job security and what are, what are um, my benefits going to be? Well, your benefits are going to be getting vaccinated and having to wear a mask. That's your benefit now. So um, this is, I guess they're getting slapped in the face that that whole dream is nonsense. But my point is, how do we value, what is the, the value of what it means to truly be educated, right? Well, how, do we, how do we represent that? How do we define that? And I guess that's up to us. And I, I guess that's up to what the, our children see as valuable in their lives. So we've got some great questions in the chat about this. And uh, Dana, if you don't mind asking one, and I love, I love the point about being an entrepreneur because that's something Bear and I talk about all the time. That you know, you go out, you're never going to experience wealth and prosperity with a job ever, 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 ever. The only way that you can enjoy prosperity in this realm is by doing yourself and creating opportunities for you through your own abilities, whether that be owning a business or uh, buying a farm or doing something on your own. If you're working for someone, eventually. You're going to have to go out on your own if you really want to enjoy the, the, the true prosperity in this realm. So that being said, how are your children now that are adult? I, you have a few that are adults, right? How are they making a living? And, has, and, do you, and how would you represent them in terms of being educated now? Um, and then the other question following up on that, how did they learn basic stuff like reading and math? Okay, well, let's start with that one. So First, I want to explain the difference between learning and forced learning. People get forced learning confused with learning all the time because they were so conditioned to do things against their will. I hear parents all the time saying, my children hate to learn. And I always want to bring up that, do they hate to learn or do they not want to be forced to memorize things that you think they should? And people always stop for a minute and say, yeah, and, and that's true. They, I do do that. And that's not learning. Force, uh, force learning based on things that you think is good for somebody else to learn about. Of course, people don't want to do that. You know, if we force somebody now to listen to this uh, interview and they had no interest in it whatsoever, they would get nothing out of it. They'd be resentful for being forced to listen to this. And it would not uh, be anything that benefited them necessarily. So, John Holt writes a lot about this. He's an amazing author. He was a teacher. He, he died many years back, but John Holt writes about how children learn and he writes about freedom and education as well. So my kids have always learned easily and joyfully based on what they're interested in learning about. And 
learning is like breathing and it feels good when it's not forced. So learning to us is just something that's been part of life. My kids have always seen me learn and grow and expand and have new interests and bring more into their lives and into my life. So um, my oldest, my son, Devin, he is a blacksmith. He's a computer programmer. He has his own business making computer games. He's multi-professioned and, and all my kids have kind of gone in that direction, much like myself. Multi-professionalism is something that I, I see a lot with unschoolers. They have multiple streams of income. They have a lot of interests and passions and they can monetize things with the intent of helping other people and being in service. And it's very fulfilling that way. So my son also manages a tractor supply store. He's very much into um, gardening and machinery, and he really enjoys doing that. The interesting thing is uh, he was promoted to manager within just a couple months of working there. And there were many other people that worked there his age. And he would tell me, he said, I really like this store. It's so cool. And um, I'm learning a lot about these machines. And he said, but the weird thing is when the boss leaves, everybody just goes on their phones and they stop working. He's like, I don't know why they do that. Like we're here to, we're being paid to work and I like it. Like, why would they do this? And so I thought I said, Devin, most people are like that in school too. Anytime the adults or the authorities look away, they do what they want to do with their time. That's what control does. And he said, man, I wouldn't even work here if I hated it like that. So the kid, my kids have had a lot of awareness and uh, about these things over the years. Um, so my daughter, Tiffany, she is 20 and she is a professional model and influencer. So, um, and she does a lot of other things as well to make money on the side. She has like a secondhand clothes store with a couple different websites. And so companies will send her their brands and pay her to wear them for Instagram photos and Snapchat and different um, social media outlets that she loves. But we moved to Miami partially from, you know, from New Hampshire, partially for her career. So she's always really loved uh, doing that. My daughter, Ivy, she's 17. She is an executive personal assistant to a, a, a crypto company, to the CEO of a crypto company. And she loves uh, doing that. These guys have a house, um, like an incubator house, all these single, single guys. And she basically takes care, of, <laughs> takes care of them all, feeds them all, does runs all their errands. But that's something she's doing because um, just to earn some extra money and she loves it. But she's actually in college now. She's studying to be a veterinarian. So she loves animals. She runs an animal rescue. We have a guinea pig rescue here at the house. <laughs> we have a lot of animals uh, that she takes care of because of uh, me facilitating her passion. And when she was 15 years old, I graduated her. Interesting to hear that probably, knowing she hasn't done any formal schoolwork. However, when she decided that she wanted to be a veterinarian, she said, she said well, I wanna be a vet. Let's find out what I need to do for that to happen. So, so we did. And she, needed to, to study and learn a lot to graduate. She learned an entire school career of math in three weeks, grades one through 12 in three weeks, easy peasy. Her brain was ready. She wanted to, she had internal motivation. She learned an entire 12 years of schooling in a matter of six weeks. Isn't wow. that incredible? That's and she, exactly. you know, she's taking college courses. So you know, my son Devin did the same thing. It was funny when he was 17, he was staying with his girlfriend who was also an unschooled um, girl. And they met at an unschooling conference that I hosted in Texas one year. And so he was staying with her and Devin said to her, we should contact Arch Academy, which was a local um, academy that some homeschoolers would go to virtually and in person. 
And they contacted them to see if they could get their high school diplomas. And I remember asking Devin, like, why would you want to do that? I'm totally supportive. I'm just curious, like what prompted this? He said, I just want to see if I know what kids in school know. I'm just curious. I want to take it. So they contacted the woman. He told me, he said, mom, can I borrow $90? I said, I'll give you $90. That's how much it, it costs to take this uh, high school diploma test. The woman came over, gave them both the test. Now keep in mind, they didn't prep for this. It wasn't like cramming for like uh, the GED or something. They, he wanted to go into it honestly, holistically, just to see what he knew and what he didn't knew, know with no attachment to outcome whatsoever. Just it was fun for him. Well, he ended up scoring above average in every single subject, except for English and reading, which he scored average, because that's how they, they go about it. And then his girlfriend, too, she, she scored without any formal schoolwork. That absolutely blew my mind. And when people hear that story, I mean, it blew my mind because it proved everything I knew to be true. Like, and he was able to live, you know, 12 years in freedom spending days in the woods building survival shelters, traveling to Peru, exploring with other unschoolers. He, he lived a life of joy, pursuing what he loved, from making looms to dyeing natural fabric to making knives and swords. He, he, he had such a happy, all of my kids had, happy childhood and freedom. And he never had to do what every single child, including myself, was forced to do for 12 years all day, every day, living somebody else's agenda. It brought me to tears. Um, and You're going to make me cry right now. <laughs> it was absolutely stunning, like this, the, how it all unfolded. And my daughter-in-law always wanted to be a librarian, which I thought was so, I'd never heard anybody wanted to be a librarian. And um, she was accepted to college, like right, right after she took that and she became a librarian and she's living her passion. Now, I, I joke around with them, like, if you were in school, you would have been told what an uncool job that was to be a librarian. You, people probably would have made fun of you. And we talk about that. And she's like, I've always wanted to be. And the, the college accepted her right away being an unschooler. And, you know, I, I don't think college is necessary. And I think most of it is, you know, big business and they have agendas and I'm not in that, that space of promoting it. But there's some professions that some unschoolers might need it, like my daughter, Ivy, who wants to be a vet. And I just loved how enthusiastic the college was to, to take her on. And they, they took her because she was an unschooler. So colleges, if it's something a child wants to do, they are, they are wanting that diversity. They, they know that kids' transcripts who are raised in this way look different and they stand out and they're there because they want to be. They're there because they want to learn. So... This life has just been mind blowing to me and how, how much time is wasted with most, most children's lives. You know, it's busy work. It's keeping them away from society, keeping them away from everybody. And I'm so, so grateful that I found this life when I did. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up about universities because we were aware of that years ago that even Ivy League schools, they were very enthusiastic about homeschoolers. Uh, one of our kids, uh, when, was, uh, when he was a sophomore age, uh, he said, hey, can I go to school? Because, you know, he had a lot of friends that were in this particular school. So we didn't want to deny him anything. So we said, OK. And, uh, you know, it was kind of an elite preppy school. So we let him go there. And 
at the end of the year, he just goes, I'm done. You know, he says, you're wasting your money here. He says, I learned this stuff a long time ago and everybody's just here to do drugs and everything anyway. So um, he had his experience. We let him have it and he got it out of his system. And he also excelled. He was at the top of his class with everything. So one thing I think we haven't, uh, we've alluded to, but the best teacher, the best book of them all is nature. And, you know, when I approached mathematics at an early age, it wasn't using mathematics as an abstraction. It was uh, teaching them, you know, what the numbers within nature actually meant, you know, showing them that mathematics is actually just a language to describe what's in nature, not a thing in and of itself. It's a fiction. So we kind of, uh, you know, inverted the whole approach. So by the time they got to trigonometry and calculus and the things that they actually excelled in very quickly, uh, they, you know, it, they already had that background of just observing nature. But, uh, you know, all else aside, I think nature has everything you need to teach you. And what, um, you know, it's been described in conventional uh, studies, and especially what we consider scientists, uh, 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 like looking at things through a, um, a colorblind single eye. Whereas when you just observe nature, you get to see things on the qualitative side and you really um, develop that whole spiritual insight, you know, that allows you to see between the lines. So if I had my druthers, I'd rather have my kids out in nature. We did, you know, when, uh, you know, when they were young and when it came to college age, I said, look, don't go to college if you think you need that to get a job or something. They elected to go to college, uh, just to, especially my older son, because he wanted to go to Santa Barbara and party with Mike when he was in college. So um, <laughs> that's that's how they met. Hey, but, I um, went to yeah, UCS. Just, I went to UCSB, and you know what that stands for? You can study. What? You can study buzzed. <laughs> that's all it was. It was a big party. Yeah. <laughs> so and, anyway, um, yeah, just uh, having the kids in nature, and if you could maybe respond on uh, you know that, and and of course in every culture that's been the teacher of uh, beyond all teachers. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were out in nature all the time. We lived on 43 acres of land. And so we had a beaver bog on the property and tons of forest. And it was something my kids always really enjoyed and that we spent a lot of time um, hiking and traveling and camping. And, and my kids learned so much through that experience as well. Devin, especially, he really, really loved it. And he taught winter survival classes on our property after a while because he was so passionate about it. So anything that Devin would learn, for example, he wanted to teach others. So that was such a wonderful way to, for him starting at age 13, 14 to, to earn a living was to supporting other people and educating uh, other people about survival. So he, he's built, oh my goodness, a Viking uh, replica house. He's, he's created looms from cutting down trees and, and building them himself. He's found sheep's wool and dyed it naturally with everything out uh, all the elements out in nature and created his own yarn so um depending upon my children and their individual interests they've all had a different relationship with nature as far as what aspects they like my daughter tiffany was more into bodies of water she loved the ocean and exploring that aspect of nature so uh, the memories my kids have of us climbing mountains and picking blueberries and building fairy houses will always stay in their memories as the most precious things to me and gardening and everything else. So 
yeah, leaving New Hampshire and moving to Miami was quite a culture shock for everybody. But we still find ourselves in nature all the time here. It's just more tropical, which is really cool and exciting and new for them. You, uh, you connect with Kelly Brogan down there at all? Oh, yeah. She contacted me. I, Dr. Edith, uh, she interviewed me, Edith, um, on her show. And after she did, Kelly Brogan contacted me. Yes, we spent um, a lot of time together. I've uh, given an unschooling workshop at her house. She, we've gone out to dinner. She's a wonderful, wonderful friend. And probably Isla. Have you met Isla, too? She's the uh, doula, um, natural birthing. She's been on our podcast. Isla Cuenca, she lives down there, friends with Kelly. There's so many okay. powerful women down there. Yeah. Um, amazing. And, you know, one thing that studies have shown with nature is that when little little children playing out in nature, playing with small animals, bugs, um, things like that, they develop empathy and compassion. Um, and it's really fascinating because if you look at modern humans now in the cities and stuff, what are we seeing? We're seeing a lack of connection, a lack of empathy, a, um, you know, with riots in the streets and people caring more about uh, breaking into a store to steal a pair of shoes than to understand maybe the, what that store owner is going through, right? Mm -hmm. So nature, we've obviously been <laughs> forcefully disconnected from nature for a reason, and there's a darker agenda at play, but yes, um, I've seen it with my uh, children. Uh, they are different when they're around nature more than when they get away and are on screens more. There is a decided difference in their behavior that is very obvious to see. So we try to limit screen time. And I know this is something that you're not very an advocate of. You are very radical in your beliefs about unschooling in terms of letting the children really decide and go where they should go, even about sugar, right? Mm -hmm. um, and these are things that I have challenges with because I, as a parent, want to do best for my children. So I'm interested to know your perspective on that. And in terms of parenting, where do we draw the line with, you know, with discipline? And this is the, the second part of my question. Where do you stand with discipline? Because I know one of the things that my wife gets challenged with, with the unschooling is how do we teach our children that sometimes you do need to do things in this life that you might not want to do for the good of others, for say, let's say out of service to others. And maybe that's just a philosophical question that is different for everybody. But I am curious what your take is on that. Okay, uh, great question. So my children have always had freedom in regards to everything in their lives, freedom to eat what they want, freedom to use technology in the ways that they want when they want, freedom with bedtimes, which really scares people to hear because we're conditioned to believe that kids would make really bad choices for themselves if given freedom because we weren't trusted as kids. And uh, <laughs> many of us did do things that probably weren't the healthiest for us. But one thing I've learned in my research and working with parents for so long and studying what control does the, to the human condition is when we limit or control something, we cause a very unnatural relationship to develop between what's being controlled and limited and the person that desires it. Because everyone's born with an innate desire for freedom and autonomy, you know, at varying levels growing up. And, and when we limit or control something, we're, we're taking away free choice. And so human beings tend to overuse and overconsume when they're fearful that something's going to be taken away again. 
And that's a really natural behavior pattern. You know, when somebody wants to live a more free partnership-based life with their kids, they'll lift all these limits. And all of a sudden the kids will do nothing but that because they'll be like, oh my God, has mom gone crazy? I better do that <laughs> before she regain, you know, comes to her senses. I better do nothing but this. Um, but just like you and I, we have the ability to moderate um, when given trust and given information. So my kids have always had freedom with these things. And, but we talk about the, the pros and cons. We talk about everything when it comes to technology, we have spent years discussing, you know, the safe use of the internet. Don't, you know, don't give people your information to sitting too long can really be unhealthy for you. You know, let's watch a couple of videos or documentaries about this. You can see, um, looking at a screen for too long can, can, you know, damage you with the different lights. And so my kids believe me when I give them information and we research things together and they've all had a really healthy balance with everything and everything they've been interested in, like technology wise has led to something else. You know, my, my son Devin's desire um, to blacksmith came from him playing the game RuneScape for like weeks straight back in the day. He loved it. And he's, that's what he was doing in the game. And he said, I want to do this in real life. So, you know, to me, limiting uh, technology is limiting learning and limiting opportunity. And I think we do have to uh, grow and connect and a relationship is the most important thing for me with my kids, but um, they've never had an issue with any of it like most people do with their kids. But I know that's not the case with everybody. So, yeah. And it goes back to the the best thing about unschooling is, you know, you remain in a similar peer group. So you just don't have that conflict to begin with. And yeah. that, that's so, so important. And so much with technology or anything really is intention of use. So mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I was controlled, you know, like anybody else forced in school. When I would get home from school, I can remember um, I would plop in front of the TV to decompress and finally do what I wanted to do with my time. And I would watch Brady Bunch for like an hour or two straight. And I just remember the way it felt. Finally, I can be here. And I used it as a tool mm -hmm. for decompression, not because I necessarily wanted to learn anything from the show. It was just what was on. So, and the same with like something like alcohol, you know, some people can be consuming a, a drink and it's, negatively affecting them and they don't have the ability to stop and there's an addiction because they're numbing pain and some people can be wine, wine connoisseurs and just have a glass and love it you know you can look at two people doing the same thing and one of them is damaging in the intention and use and one of them is not it's enriching and that's how technology has always been in my life is most people are basing um, and then, uh, you know the judgment on freedom of technology or limiting technology on the intention of numbing pain with the, the feelings and lens of addiction and destruction and harm. And that's never been the case um, with my children. They use these things as tools to learn and expand and grow just like, just like I do. And natural balance comes from, from trust and information. So we've always had a very positive relationship with all of these things in our lives. I love that. Can you tell us a little, I was just gonna say, uh... Could you tell us a little bit about some of your course offerings and uh, you know what you teach online and, and how you coach people? Sure, sure, I'd be happy to. So prior to COVID, all the, the world going insane, <laughs> 
um, I could kind of keep up with everything. You know, I'd get a lot of messages. I did a lot of invitations to speak and I had a lot of opportunities and I loved uh, being an advocate for this life. And then once everything happened and everybody was home with their kids, all of a sudden I was getting like hundreds of messages and so many invitations for shows and just everything was expanding so much that I couldn't keep up with it. And I said to myself, I need to train other people to do what I do because I've just, this career just kind of manifested. Like I had no, no guideline. <laughs> I just uh, grew to this point of being able to share about this life in a really down to earth way that makes sense to people. So I wanted to help support other people who wanted to be with their kids, you know, facilitate this life and earn a living doing so. So I started a program like a year long mentorship program. It was like the first time I ever did that, where I offered this to people who wanted to, to learn how to be advocates and to get their names out there and to support families and be in service to the world. So I run that, that program. It's one of my favorites and it's really popular. Um, but I also do one-on-one -on -one parenting coaching, which to me is my, my favorite thing, actually, because I love connecting with parents to help support them. I always have had a sliding scale and never turned anyone away. In fact, I say yes to everything I can because I want to help so many different people on this path. So I, I do that. I'm in the process. Actually, this was really cool, guys. I, I couldn't believe this happened, actually. So uh, several months ago, I got a message from a, uh, like a really big name publishing company and they want, they asked me if I would write a textbook for early childhood education, um, students for colleges about unschooling. Now, keep in mind, I went to college for this. There was never any mention. There was a tiny little mention of homeschooling in this whole, you know, college uh, curriculum about early childhood education. And I never thought this would happen. You know, I was hoping it would, but I've seen the evolution of awareness happening in the world. And so I'm blown away that I'm writing a book for early child, childhood education to learn about unschooling and unschooling philosophy in open source classrooms. And so that's something I'm, I'm working on right now that I'm super excited about. But yeah, my website, danamartin.com offers different courses and classes. And I do group coaching too every Thursday night. Uh, amazing. And I will put the, uh, in the show notes below so people can, uh, visit that website and get involved. I will say one thing I'm learning from all this is, and I think this is revel, I hate to say the word revolutionary because revolutionary is you're re just revolving in the same paradigm. This is other par This is paradigm shifting because not only does this relate to our kids and but also to ourselves and what we value in our life. Cause it's pretty hard to unschool if you're going nine to five working for a corporation, right? It's all about actually getting, you know, not only clearing the trauma of ourselves, but figuring out in our lives, you know, whether that be an entrepreneur, figuring out how to get home and make money from home so you can be with your children and be involved with them or have your own business where you take them to your business with you. Right. And they can learn there. Uh, so it's really a whole new paradigm of, of basically how we relate to wealth and, and, and how we value ourselves and how we value our interaction in our community. And I think community is a massive part in this, would you say, Dana, in terms of other folk, other parents unschooling and, and doing meetups and, and building out uh, different ways that these children can socialize and learn from each other? Um, are you seeing unschooling communities popping up? Well, it's interesting because it kind of uh, was put on hold a bit with the last couple of years, but um, 
people say to me all the time, they don't know anyone else living this life. And I, and I say to them, I didn't either. So I built it. I started conferences. I started meetups. I started traveling the country with the kids, bringing them to unschooling events. So if it doesn't exist in your area, you can create it. And it's fun and joyful to do so. It doesn't have to be hard. And you can be the one that creates your children's you know, social circle as well. I wanted my kids to be around other kids who are respected and treated kindly in the partnership-based paradigm. And that's exactly what I did. And it's something I'm really happy to help other people do too. What would be like a couple books that are ways besides your website uh, for folks to learn more about this? Are there specific books to read or what would you recommend? Do you have a book list? I know I want to read more um, moving into this lifestyle. So just what I, my wife and I are literally, so what we're doing right now is we're using a uh, online school program to help because we pulled our kids out of, uh, so we're, we live right next to literally share a fence with a, with a little mountain school here in our little town of 600 people nestled in millions of trees in the national forest. And we were stoked when we first moved here because this was supposed to be a mountain outdoor wilderness kind of style public, public school. Um, and of course they immediately switched to STEM, which is science, technology. What's the rest of it? Engineering, math. And that meant being on an iPad all day. They never went out in nature. And then I believe it was when my oldest was in third grade, my youngest in first, when they introduced us in the first day of school and we all met in the auditorium, they had a truancy officer, literally a man with a gun, introduce himself to us and, and go over the new policies of truancy and how he will be visiting homes if you have a certain amount of um, uh, you know, showing up later, not having your child go to school. And I know because we live in a lower economic zone here uh, in this down in the city, down at the ocean there, that they have a lot of issues with children going to school because of that's probably that cyclical torturous trauma that these children have been going through generationally. So now they have a man showing up to your house with a gun because they aren't going there, eating their, uh, eating, of course, the food now is all microwaved in plastic bags, literally pizza microwaved in bags. Our children, who we would send food with to school, um, being picky as they were, you know, uh, they, a lot of those children that didn't have the, the food being sent with them, what would they eat? They would eat literally like packs of seasoning. That was the best food, was the tahine seasoning they would eat uh, because they were so hungry for nutrition. So anyways, insanity, right? We're leaving that. We left that. We have an online school that we've been working with. We even had an au pair living here at one point. Now I've decided, I told my wife, I am going to focus on, on shifting into a more unschooling paradigm next year, start of next year. So I'm going to have to, I work a lot. I run multiple businesses. How does one, this is my question I'm going to, how does one who is a very busy parent running their own businesses, is there is there ways to like, I don't know, a calendar system or like resources for us to look into to better organize our life so that we can better embrace this new lifestyle? Because it is stressful, like running businesses and being, being very active and trying to change the world myself. How can I better set myself up for success next year as I jump full, full feet in on this new lifestyle? Um, well, for one, if you have community that you can connect with. That, that's wonderful because you can share childcare and create different things for kids and take turns having a group of kids over your house. And then your kids can go over somebody else's house you trust who's living this life. But I've always lived in this, in a mindset that everything gets done that I want to get done. 
So I'm not a terribly organized person in a traditional sense. I just go with the, with the energy of the day and when and it ebbs and flows. And when there's an ebb, I focus on things that I need to get done, whether it's housework or work work, <laughs> you know, creating different things, writing. And as the needs of the kids come up, I, I don't get frustrated. You know, I don't say, oh my goodness, you stop bothering me or anything. I just flow with it and I go and help them and I, I ease back here. So I trust that everything that I need to get done will and it always does. So it's a really pres present mindset. It's not easy for everybody to be in that space. And if your kids are really young, obviously you're much more needed <laughs> than kids my kids' age. For the first decade, I, I didn't don't think I sat down much, put it that way. <laughs> the first decade of my kids' lives. But so, and you can also do, you said you had no pair. We had a um, I had a mother's helper come over. So I had a 15 year old girl who was unschooled come spend several hours a day with my kids when I was in the process of writing my book about birth, for example. So there's always ways to make it happen. And when yeah. you love doing it, when you love your life and you love what you're doing, there's always time that presents itself because you're not dreading it. You know, when we're doing things we have to do and things we dread, it seems that it's harder to get them done. So just shift your thoughts, make sure you take good care of yourself, you know, eat well, sleep well, and fill your own cup as much as possible. So you have, you're able to overflow with love and support for your family as well. And, and everything will get done. Beautiful. And rigid curriculums are just getting back into the same old, you know, the same old uh, merry-go-round. You know, we, we always kept a good degree of flexibility and, uh, you know, just morphed the, you know, the, the lesson plan, uh, you know, according to what the kids were requesting and maybe, you know, needs that we saw, we'd, uh, you know, have friends come in that spoke other languages. So we'd get together with their kids and maybe a certain day of the week, you know, they'd have Spanish or something. Um, we had extracurricular activities. Um, when uh, one of my kids was a little bit older, we decided part of our homeschool, he was like high school age at that point, we got our pilot's license together. Wow. Uh, another year, they, um, you know, just giving them different projects, it really made them think in different ways. Uh, uh, one of my kids elected to go to Outward Bound one year, uh, you know, and just do wilderness training, uh, survival kind of thing. So it's, I think it's uh, just intelligently using outer resources as well. And uh, like you say, just trust that those will be available when they're needed and you don't just have to be locked into a curriculum. I see a lot of uh, people that are doing homeschooling. The first thing they do is they, you know, get curriculums that they send away, they get online or whatever. And then the kids are home. It's great. But then they're just sitting there going through these predictable lesson plans and you're back on the time clock. And, you know, we really tried to avoid that ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Well, Dana, thanks so much uh, for spending all this amazing time with us today. Uh, it has been a very powerful stream. And I think uh, the one thing that I'm taking away from this is that, you know, there, there's a lot more that our children, um, in terms of what they know best for themselves uh, and also, uh, you know, respecting them um, that there's a lot more pleasure that will come in our lives when we just do that versus <laughs> not having the faith and trust in them and going back into old habits. So yeah. thanks so much for that reminder.
You're so welcome. It was such an honor to be here and chat with you guys. I could have stayed on for hours more. So hopefully we can do this again. Yes. Love to have Absolutely. you back on. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, and for those that- Thank you and keep up your great work. Thank you so much. Thank you. You guys have a great day. Thanks, Dana. And for those who uh, really uh, resonated with this, please share this uh, with your friends and family. Extremely important topic. Give us a thumbs up. That really helps the algorithm uh, spread. And Bear, what are your takeaways from this? Because um, seeing this kind of unschooling movement is the next generational step from homeschooling in many ways. Yeah, and it's very gratifying to me. It does show that it's catching on, and it's also showing that people are looking at what's going on in the system and starting to see through it now. So it gives me hope that uh, there will be an intelligent next generation that can, uh, you know, rebuild uh, what we see going on before our eyes right now. Because sometimes it's it's a little bit depressing, especially if you you know just follow the the news cycles and and just all the orchestrated chaos out there. And then of course, um, the gaslighting uh, and propaganda that everybody is down for what's happening when in reality, there are more of us that are, uh, you know, breaking away. We are, as you said the other day, we are the breakaway civilization. So uh, I'm very hopeful at what I see. And it doesn't take the majority of people anyway to change this. And we are at critical mass and uh, critical mass will be reached much quicker by people that are aligned with universal truth versus the predator class that are trying to recruit everybody into a uh, a really twisted overlay matrix on top of universal law, and it's just not going to work. They've already failed. So I say we just uh, be encouraged, stay out of the way so we don't go down with the ship. And uh, we have a happy future ahead of us. Yeah, and I was just thinking her her oldest son is way more um, kind of set up for the new world <laughs> than most gamma males going in learning you know gender studies or something uh he's literally knows how to build survival structures and, and forge iron into tools i mean he may be the one that's we're all going to be needing move towards those type of skills so uh that was pretty I awesome think the the next uh, crew of millionaires will be plumbers and electricians <laughs> no you know, we need help all the time here on the farm and uh, try to find an electrician or somebody to come in and do something. They don't exist anymore. And kids just don't want to do the work. You know, they don't want to do anything physically exerting. So, um, yeah, but there are they are out there and uh, it's great. Get the mental skills, get your academics down. So, you know, we never wanted our kids to feel like they were vulnerable because they could not, uh, you know, speak those languages. So that's why I excelled them in sciences and mathematics and, and, you know, traditional academics. We just did it in our way. So we wouldn't, you know, ruin their, uh, you know, zest for learning in the process. And, uh, you know, so you can have the best of both worlds. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head zest for learning. Because I'll tell you, mm -hmm. I probably learned more in the last five, six years. We started this podcast and got really engaged again with the wonders of, of real science in the world. I mean, that bookshelf, those are all relatively new books behind me in the last, uh, you know, 
three, four, five, six years that I've been filling that one up. That's all new material that I've been learning because I love to read. And uh, in college, I like I said earlier, I went, you can study buzz. I mean, I just went to try to party and socialize. And I learned a lot there too. Don't get me wrong. I did. I learned actually how to open my consciousness up <laughs> and I broke out of like the, the sleep I was in and other realms and other aspects of my life. But that being said, yeah, the zest for learning, let's make sure we instill that in our children. And that is what's going to get them the farthest. So thanks everybody. Uh, and yes, uh, Anthony zest for life. Exactly. That's the whole reason why we're, we're here to learn is because we want to have an amazing life and enjoy our time here uh, and not be miserable wretches. So, um, Hey bear, any last final words of wisdom for our tribe before we bounce out? Now, I think we've, uh, I think we've beat that one up and covered it pretty much. So, um, you know, great. Uh, I think it was a good one and it's a very important one. And uh, in the near future, I want to um, develop a podcast episode uh, that has to do with learning and how to observe in a multidimensional way. Uh, you and I did a podcast a long time ago about trivium quadrivium, which is uh, which I think was a great start in understanding uh, classical logic and how people used to learn and develop critical thought and then base it on their observations on the, um, the four sacred sciences. But we can go way, way deeper uh, in getting into how we are neurologically trained to perceive and how we can neurologically reprogram ourselves to see much, much more in a multidimensional way beyond trivium, quadrivium. So that will be a future episode. Mm. Yeah. Extending out of the materialism. Um, that is going mm -hmm. to be amazing. And that's one thing I was thinking of uh, to close this out as we're, as Dana's talking about, you know, giving the children the freedom to follow their passions. Well, when we get into the more esoteric um, concepts of reincarnation and, and our soul path and soul contract, really, I think schooling is the Prussian system that has been used for generations to indoctrinate and to mechanize us is probably uh, a counterpunch to that divine plan. Um, the controllers put that in on purpose to try to stop that beautiful uh, evolution of consciousness through the lifetimes. Uh, and so to be able to have our children be free to actually follow their soul contract and to discover what they're really here for is amazing. And then to extrapolate that into these ideas of how we learn through spirit and through, as Dr. Edith likes to talk about, all the different intelligences, not just emotional, not just, um, you know, intelligence with body and, but also intelligence on the higher realms of spirit, of uh, in the, in the uh, touching into the Akashic, going into the astral, all of that stuff, which can sound woo-woo to some, but that's where we need to be going. So amazing, Bear, as always, you drop in those nuggets of, of mind expansion, expanding truth. I really look forward to that show. Next week, we've got the great Tom Barnett on, or we'll have a special, I believe, 3 o'clock, 3 p.m. to fit him in because he's in, in 
and Oz. Uh, we're going to go deep into uh, natural law and how that relates to the law to weather, to what's going on with out there. He's just went through that whole flooding and how community came together and uh, how um, that all connects to our what we were just talking about, our divine right and our, and our divine mission of why we're here. So that's going to be a good one. Always love having Tom on. So we'll see you next week for that. Thank you, guys. Uh, and if you want to support Alphabetic, go to alphabetic.com. If you're in the States, you can buy our products. It's one of the best ways to do it. Uh, they are really amazing products. Or you can uh, join us at right now, but this is about the end of it, patreon.com forward slash Alphavedic. We're about to go on our own platform there. Uh, we'll be discussing that more in the near future. As we go private, you'll be able to join our PMA and uh, join us in the private. So that's really exciting. That's happening right around the corner. Also, you can find us at telegram at t.me forward slash Alphavedic or at alphavedic.com forward slash discord. Thanks. Love you all. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Oh, and as I always say, I almost forgot. Don't forget, get outside, get in nature, take your children out in nature. Uh, it is the best medicine. Love you.